Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's 1997, and a bunch of U.S. researchers dropped these underwater microphones called hydrophones into the Pacific Ocean to listen to the sea. And they hear something, something they've never heard before, and something they can't explain. Did you hear that? That little bloop? Let's hear it again. That's the sound they can't explain. And they called it the bloop. And that might not sound that impressive, but it was one of the loudest sounds ever recorded underwater. It still is. It beat out the rumble of the great blue whale. They heard it all across the Pacific Ocean. Some of these microphones are more than 3,000 miles apart, and they all picked up the same noise. And scientists had no idea what caused it. It was just this unexplained, crazy loud, bloop. Eventually, scientists cracked the case, but not before people came up with some pretty far-out ideas for what it could be. And we'll dive into all of that here today. This is Science Solved It, and today's episode, The Bloop. Welcome to Science Solved It, Motherboard's show that explores the world's greatest mysteries that were solved by science. I'm Kaylee Rogers. I love a good mystery. Some of my favorite podcasts are true crime shows or whodunits, but my problem is that as a journalist, I want to know the answer. Who was the killer? What caused the unidentified lights in the sky? Is Adnan innocent? More often than not, at the end of an episode or even an entire season of a show, we still don't know what the answer is. But I'm a science journalist, and in science, we tackle incredible problems, we answer impossible questions, and yeah, we solve a few mysteries. I figured if I looked around the world of science, I'd find a few mysteries that had been solved through good old-fashioned research. I found a ton. And our first one is this bloop. 
As I mentioned, the bloop was recorded by scientists who dropped these microphones into the Pacific Ocean, just off the coast of South America. But they didn't put these devices into the water to listen for bloops. They were listening for volcanoes. We focus on looking at submarine volcanic activity, and we use our hydrophones to detect the sounds from submarine eruptions that otherwise go undetected. That's Bob Ziak. He's the manager of the acoustics program for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. He was part of the team that first recorded the bloop and was one of the first people to ever hear it. It seemed to me that there should be easier ways of measuring volcanoes that erupt underwater, like seismic waves or something. Why stick a microphone down there? Excellent question. Thanks, Bob. The reason we use sound is because of the properties of the ocean. There's a thing called the sound channel. The sound channel is a natural, physical part of the ocean that lets sound travel more easily. Imagine it like a funnel, collecting all the sounds produced nearby and shooting them across the ocean. Which can propagate and allow sound to propagate over long distances with almost no loss in signal strength. Because the sounds are traveling through this channel, it allows them to stay louder for longer. That makes the sound channel a really handy tool for measuring something far away, like an underwater volcano erupting. A tool like a seismometer, which we use to detect eruptions on land, is not as useful as the sound channel. Seismic signals propagating through the crust or through the earth lose their strength really quickly. You have to be really close to a source in order to detect it. With the hydrophones, we can hear the sound of volcanoes over across entire ocean basins from Japan all the way on the west coast of the United States. Using sound as your main method for detecting underwater volcanoes does come with some drawbacks. As any podcaster can tell you, microphones are designed to pick up any sound they hear. So it listens for sound in all directions, omnidirectional we call it. It hears everything. That means Bob and his team aren't just recording underwater volcanoes, they're recording every sound under the sea. Record the sounds of fishing boats to whales to even unknown sounds to the south. Unknown sounds. That's the technical term for these underwater noises. But what it really means is that scientists like Bob can't explain what they are or where they come from. Sounds like the bloop. The bloop immediately caught Bob's attention. It wasn't a volcano, but it wasn't anything else that they recognized either. And it was really loud. It's unusual when you see a sound recorded on all of the sensors we have deployed. To see them on all of them is an unusual situation because it means the sound is really big. A ship or a whale, when it makes a sound in the ocean, it isn't big enough to be recorded all the way across the Pacific. But this sound, being on many different hydrophones, stood out in our minds as being something unique. The only thing scientists knew is that this bloop sound wasn't man-made. So that meant it had to be natural. So what exactly was hiding underneath the waves? Not knowing what it was, my predecessors classified it as uh, something unknown and possibly biological. Bob is emphasizing possibly biological because at the time when NOAA scientists said the bloop was possibly biological, people kind of went nuts. Biological can mean a lot of different things, but to the public, without any other explanation, biological sounded like, well, it sounded like a sea monster. 
When we come back from the break, I'll tell you about one creature that kept being linked to the bloop over and over again. Hey guys, we're so excited to have you listening to our new show, but did you know that Motherboard has another podcast? It's true. Radio Motherboard is a show about the future where we explore everything from how realistic the artificial intelligence is in Westworld. Yeah, we haven't started grappling with, are we going to make life like skin or real skin or 3D print skin or something like that? Yeah, I actually don't know if that's a harder problem than the AI thing. To Blink-182's theories about alien life. DeLong is no newbie on the UFO scene. In 2011, he founded a site called Strange Times, and he's appeared as a guest multiple times on Coast to Coast, the infamous late-night paranormal talk show. You know, you think of Blink-182, I maybe I'm showing my age, but I think of these guys as a new band, but they've been around since 1992. Radio Motherboard. Check it out wherever fine podcasts are sold. Welcome back. In the late 90s, once scientists went public with the bloop and told everybody that they didn't know what it was, imaginations began to run wild. Here's Bob, our oceans expert again. Yeah, I hesitate to say these things because I don't think that's very helpful in the science discussion, but it was considered possibly of animal origin. And one that was floated out there was the idea that it was a giant squid. A giant squid? The kraken? The last of the aquatic dinosaurs? Most of these ideas weren't taken very seriously. But the reality is that 95% of the world's oceans have not yet been explored. Think about that. We have no idea what's lurking in 95% of the ocean. If a giant creature was going to hide anywhere on Earth, the Pacific would be a great place to do it. That might explain why one of the most prominent theories surrounding the bloop came from the world of horror sci-fi master H.P. Lovecraft, the sea monster Cthulhu. To learn more about this creature, I spoke to Austin Walker. He's the editor-in-chief of Vice's gaming site, Waypoint. Austin is well-versed in a lot of pop culture, and that includes literature like H.P. Lovecraft, who created Cthulhu. Or is it Cthulhu? The characters in this kind of big Cthulhu mythos, we can't pronounce them correctly. Like, I say Cthulhu, and anybody who's going to write in and correct me is wrong, because Lovecraft is pretty clear you can't pronounce those names because we don't have tentacles and 30 tongues. And there's, like, Cthulhu, there's Cthulhu. The C-T-H can be just, like... Cthulhu? However you pronounce it, Cthulhu is an unimaginably massive sea creature that featured in Lovecraft's 1928 short story, The Call of Cthulhu. If you're not familiar with this creature, let me try to paint you a picture. Cthulhu is roughly human-shaped, but it's completely covered in scales and has this sort of rubbery flesh like a dolphin. Its arms are webbed, like frog feet, and instead of a head, it's just a giant squid up there. So it has tentacles where its face should be. Oh, and it also has wings. Dragon wings. When the bloop became public, Lovecraft fans couldn't help but make the connection between this loud, unidentified call from the deep and their favorite Lovecraftian creature. It's not like, oh, it made a bloop. The description's of the sorts of sounds it make generally are related to in terms of effect. It and other old gods, the old ones, whatever, the deep ones, whatever you want to call the various creatures of Lovecraft's mythos, make sounds that drive people mad, that obsess people, that are unexplainable, that can't be related to other categories of sound that we already have. 
In that way, like, the bloop is, again, a perfect fit. Part of why young teen Austin loved the bloop story was like, ooh, it could be anything. It wasn't just the fact that the bloop was an unknown, very loud, underwater sound. It was also the fact that the bloop originated right where Cthulhu lived. Where the bloop happened happened to be close to the island in fiction. Lovecraft is the sort of dude who gives coordinates, do you know what I mean? And it's only 1,500 kilometers away, I think, from where the kind of underwater prison where Cthulhu was housed is. The bloop wasn't that far away. So Lovecraft fans had Cthulhu, but everybody else had their own theory for what the bloop could be. As tantalizing as these ideas are for you and me, for scientists like Bob, all these theories were getting out of hand. It's entertaining at one level, at another level it gets a little discouraging that trying to get the science message out there that most things that are happening with their due diligence and some evidence, you can find a more realistic cause. The fact is, this wasn't the first unidentified sound that they had recorded. There were other, albeit quieter, mystery sounds that the microphones had captured. And some of them were pretty creepy. We do get a lot of signals that are of unknown origin. Things like a a winch on a fishing boat pulling in a net can sound very mysterious. If you're not familiar with it, you know, it has this low moan and whining sound to it and it goes on for a long time. It could be kind of scary in a way when you hear it, but then when you begin to realize what the probable sources of it, it's something mechanical, it's something to easily understand. But while the fishing winches and whale calls were solved pretty quickly, the bloop remained an unsolved mystery for nearly a decade. Bob told me it just wasn't really a priority. Years passed, with this sound just floating around in the public consciousness, and all these new theories popping up. It's one of those stories I passed around with my friends of just like, yeah, it popped up on CNN or it popped up on a message board somewhere. Like, I, I very readily could have read it on like a science fiction message board or someone who said like, ooh, it's, it's Lovecraft. Like, that's definitely the association I have with it. And then thinking like, this would be a good entry into a Lovecraftian horror story of just like, oh, there's this bloop everyone thought was interesting and then forgot about. And then seven years later, it ends up being some ancient star spawn that is, has come to kill us all. That's not what happened, though, right? With all these stories swirling, it was time for scientists to finally figure out what the bloop was. And in 2005, without even really trying, they did. Starting in 2005, we began a project looking at seafloor volcanism off the coast of the Antarctic Peninsula. Bob and his team were still looking for underwater volcanoes. That's kind of their thing. But this time they were doing it much further south than they had been in the 90s, closer to Antarctica. Uh, It's a big volcanic arc there. It's very active. We put several hydrophones in that region for a couple years. Then we got the data back. Yeah, we saw some earthquakes and such. But the record was absolutely dominated by the sound of ice breaking up. Here's some Iceberg 101. When icebergs break apart, it generates noise, a kind of low rumbling sound. Think about an ice cube cracking in a glass of water. These are called ice quakes. And when really big chunks of ice break off, it generates a lot of noise. It makes these huge resonant sounds. These deafening rumbles from ice quakes sounded familiar. 
Bob and his team had heard them before. See the bloop that we're familiar with? Bloop. That's the one? That's actually a sped up version of what microphones recorded. It's 16 times faster. Noah released it that way because it's easier to make out the sound, but when you hear it at original speed, it sounds like this. A rumble. A really loud, powerful rumble. It sounds a lot like those ice quakes. The bloop was ice. So it was at that time we began to understand that things we had been seeing up around the equator, in the East Pacific for all these years, thinking there were mystery sounds or things that were you know, unexplained, there actually were just pretty much coming from the ice that's going off around Antarctica. Ice is constantly flowing and flowing into the ocean and breaking out and going out to sea and smashing against itself and just kind of generally breaking up and making noise. When you compare recordings of ice quakes with the bloop, it's a near perfect match. And Bob told me they're confident that's what the bloop was. After years of mystery, the bloop was finally solved. Ice quakes are a normal, natural part of the ice cycle, but there is some evidence that climate change is making them happen more often. The Antarctic Peninsula, it's, it, the temperatures are warming there. The ocean's getting warmer. So that part is probably driven a lot by the changing in the temperatures of the oceans. As ice quakes happen more frequently, they generate lots of bloops across the ocean. Only now we know what they are. It may not have turned out to be a giant primordial sea monster, but at least to Austin, the real story is just as scary. You can't ram a boat into the head of global warming, right? <laughs> like that's, again, like for me, one of the things that's productive about thinking about Lovecraft is taking yourself out of the position that we can directly, immediately affect the sort of change that action heroes do. That, like, the contemporaries writing in science fiction and fantasy of Lovecraft, many of them wrote about heroes with swords and ray guns. And if you look at the political and cultural climate of North America and of the world right now, I feel like we are turning towards cowboys and sword masters and hero astronauts and people with ray guns and not towards people who are investing in long-term solutions. Global warming is a Lovecraftian beast in that the solution to holding it off and to addressing it can't come from a single person. It has to come from, like, the sort of letter writing and the sort of, like, collaboration between a bunch of people who really understand this stuff. And also, <laughs> it turns out that, like the heroes in Lovecraft, no one listens to the warnings. Right? Like, Lovecraftian stories are filled with academics who are like, y'all, Cthulhu is real. He is coming for us. And once he gets here, that is it. Right? Like, the story of Cthulhu basically ends with, with them saying he must have gone back to his prison because if he didn't, we would all be f Like, we'd all be dead. We would all be uh, raving mad because that's the effect that seeing Cthulhu has. It is hard not to draw that comparison to global warming scientists who are like, no, like, for real, there is, we are there. We are at the point of no return. This is not, we're not like being hyperbolic. This is it. We have to do something and seeing policymakers do nothing. And it's just like, oh, it would be easier almost if we were facing Cthulhu because that's an obvious threat. <laughs> it's like a big squid man with dragon wings on its face. Like, yeah, we have to stop that thing. Global warming doesn't have a face. But sometimes it does make a sound.
Science Solved It is a production of Vice Media and Motherboard. For regular updates on the podcast, visit motherboard.vice.com. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. This episode was produced and edited by Tim Barnes with production assistance from Liza Yeager. Our theme is by Reximus. That's not his given name. I know that because he's my brother. You can find us on Twitter at Science Solved It. And while you're there, let us know if you had any theories for what the bloop could have been. Thanks very much for joining us. Next week on Science Solved It. Totally by chance, we also happened to be going out to change out the batteries in the GPS units, uh, and we arrived right when the rocks were moving. So we actually got to see it happen, which was absolutely wild. (laughs) Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.